Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Hey, good morning, Rescue Church family. I want to say welcome to each and every one of you in all of our locations. Hey, today's message is going to be a little bit different than normal. I probably, I'm probably going to do a little less preaching today and a little more teaching uh, as we're going to take a time out from our uh, trip through the book of John that we've been in in quite a few recent weeks. We're going to just put that on pause because for our South Dakota campuses coming up in just two Sundays on July 15th, we've got our B3 party and that stands for beach baptisms and barbecue and it's a day that we're going to gather together at the lake with all of our South Dakota locations and just have a brief church service but really the main purpose in gathering at the lake on that day is that we're going to celebrate new life in Christ with those that are going to take that step of obedience to Jesus in the waters of baptism we're going to see people get baptized on July 15th now for Deeside and Peoria, there's always the option to get baptized, and, and that's true of any of our uh, campuses. We don't have to go to the lake as a church family. We can set up a baptistry at any time that somebody wants to be baptized. We have the ability to do that or to take a trip to the ocean if you're in our Deeside campus. How cool is that to go get baptized in the beautiful Caribbean ocean there? That's great. But today, I want to just talk a little bit about the priority of baptism. I'm going to use this time to do a little bit of teaching about why baptism is so important because this is a very basic thing, uh, but it's one of those things that sometimes it, it's not good just to, for me to think, well, everybody knows this because everybody doesn't know this. And so maybe for some of you, this is going to be a good reminder. Maybe for others, you're going to be hearing some of this information for the very first time. And so before I get into our one main point that I want to share with you today, I'm going to share kind of one main thought and then just go through some questions and answers about baptism after I share that main thought with you. Uh, before I get into that, let me just say this, that today I'm going to tell you baptism is important, and it is, but I need you to know this, that there's something far more important than whether or not you've ever been baptized, and that is whether or not you have ever trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and received him as your Lord and Savior. I just want to start before I go any farther and ask the question, have you invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior, to forgive you of your sin? Because that is the most important question. I can tell you this right now, when, when your life is over someday and you stand before the God who created you, I, I'm pretty sure that the very first question he asks you is not going to be, did you ever get baptized? The question is going to be, did you receive the free gift of eternal life that only my son Jesus made possible through his shed blood on the cross of Calvary? Did you receive that and, and by faith accept Jesus, my one and only son, as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sin? And I just want to tell you, if you're listening to this today in any of our locations and you've never asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, that is by far the most important step you could ever take. But check this out. Here's what I want to say is that um, I, I believe we live in a culture, it, whether you're in Jamaica or whether you're in the United States, it, we're in the western part of the world where it's very culturally acceptable to talk about your belief in God. Uh, there's many people in our countries that would say, oh, I believe in God, 
Uh, there's other parts of the world today where people would not be quite as openly ready to admit that because of persecution or because they flat out don't believe in a God. But check it out. In our culture, a lot of people talk about the fact that they believe in God. Some will even say they believe in Jesus. But what I want you to know, church, is this. Lean into this. Um, Jesus did not just call us to believe in him. Jesus called us to follow him. So here's my question that I want to pose is this. Not just do you believe in some higher power, do you believe in the big man upstairs, not just do you believe in God, or not even do you believe in Jesus. My question to you today is this. Are you following Jesus? Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Disciple is just a big fancy Bible word for follower. Are you following Jesus? See, I, I'll tell you, I have, my experience has been, as I've grown up in the church, as I've led a church for many years now, my experience has been that I meet a lot of people who claim to believe in Jesus, and yet there's not a lot of evidence in their life that they're actually following Jesus. So here's what I want to do today. As I talk about the priority of baptism, I want to make the case that baptism is really one of the very first steps we need to take after we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. So if you've got your handouts and you're ready to write down something with me, here's the main thought that I want to share with you today. Okay? The main point of this teaching is simply this. After accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior, baptism is the first step I need to take as I begin to follow him. True life in Christ starts at the moment of salvation. That's the most important decision we'll ever make is to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But then the very next step that I believe we see people take in, in Scripture is the step of baptism. So in our time together today, I just want to talk about baptism. And I want to ask some questions and answer some questions about baptism. So let's start with this one. Why should I be baptized? I'm here telling you baptism is a priority. Why? Why is it a priority? The first answer is this, to follow the example set by Jesus. Did you know that Jesus modeled baptism for us? I, I want you to pause and think for just a moment. Why is that important? Like, why did Jesus get baptized? We read in Mark 1.9, in, in Mark's account of Jesus' life, he writes this, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptized by John in the river. It's referring to John the Baptist. Why did Jesus get baptized? It's not because he needed to be baptized for his own good. Like, he was and is the Son of God. He came from heaven uh, to, to, to rescue mankind from our sinful condition. He didn't need to be baptized for himself. Jesus was baptized because it's what good leaders do. Leaders, good leaders, don't ask their followers to do something they're not willing to do themselves. In, in getting baptized, Jesus set an example for us to follow. So that's one reason I would offer up why we should be baptized. The second one, and maybe even a stronger reason, is this, because Christ commands it. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. If you've ever wondered like what our job is as Christians, what our job is as a church, here it is. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Sometimes we call this the Great Commission. Jesus said, go then to all people everywhere and make them my followers, make them my disciples. And look at the very next thing he says. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey 
everything I have commanded you. So do you hear it right there? Christ commands us to go out to share the gospel and then baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus commands it. That's a good enough reason right there. He modeled it. He commands it. But I'll give you a third one. It demonstrates that I really am a believer. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, let me just share a quick scripture here. 1 John 2, 3 uh, says this. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. I just shared with you the command from Christ in the Great Commission. The command is go into the world and teach the gospel, preach the gospel, then baptize people. And John is saying in 1 John 2, 3 that we know we've come to actually know Christ. One of the evidences that we actually know him is when we obey his commands. So I just simply want to ask the question again, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, have you taken the very first step of believer's baptism? Have you done that? If not, man, I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to throw down the challenge that you need to do that. Well, what is the meaning of baptism? Like, why is this so important? What's the significance of being baptized? I'll, I'll give you two answers. First of all, it illustrates Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Um, I've given you on your notes Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. We're not going to go look at that today, but I would encourage you to go read what the Apostle Paul has to say about our new life in Christ and look at how he uses the theme of baptism to, to, to tie us together, to identify us with Christ. In Romans 6, he talks about the fact that Jesus, he, he was alive, he was crucified, he was buried, he rose again, and we identify with Christ through our baptism, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It illustrates that, and we get that picture of, of the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ through baptism. Also, right related to that, it illustrates my new life as a Christian. So baptism is this very powerful picture to the world. It's like we're saying that just like Jesus was alive and, and he died and was buried and he rose again, so too I have an old sinful self that was crucified and buried with Christ and, and I have been risen with the Lord Jesus Christ to live a new life. It's that picture of us coming up out of the water like we're, we're coming back to life and it, it is symbolic of the new life that we have in Christ. And isn't that an amazing thought? That for those of us who know Christ, the way we used to be, our old sinful hearts, our old fleshly selves, we have a new heart in Christ. We have power and freedom over sin. And it's basically telling the rest of the world, I identify with Jesus. I'm, I'm part of his family now. Okay, here's an important question. Very important question. Does baptism help me get to heaven? Like, do I need to do this in order to be right with God, in order to be saved, in order to, to have the gift of eternal life? The answer is absolutely not. Baptism is not about salvation. You will meet people in the Christian community, people who claim to be followers of Christ, and they will try and link the two together and tell you that unless you're baptized, you do not have the gift of eternal life. And I just want to direct you very clearly to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. What does the Apostle Paul say in this passage of Scripture? He says, for it is by baptism that you have been saved. Is that what the Bible says? No, Paul says, for it is by grace. Whose grace? God's grace. It is by 
God's grace that you have been saved through baptism? Is that what it says? Nope. Through faith. Notice how those two work together. My faith and God's grace. That's where salvation happens. It's when I put my faith and trust in God and he pours out his grace on my life. And it goes on to say it is the gift of God. Not by works. Not by what you do. Not by your external things where you try hard. It's not by works so that no one can boast. Friends, I just want you to know Baptism is extremely important, and I'm going to continue to make the case why we need to follow Jesus' example and obey his command to be baptized, but it's not salvation important. And by the way, I'll make you put your thinking hats on. Can you think of any stories, I'll, I'll even narrow it down to New Testament. Can you think of anyone in the New Testament that we're pretty sure they were given the promise of eternal life, even though there's no evidence that they had ever been baptized the way the Bible says we should be baptized. Can, can you think of any stories? I'll give you just a minute. I wish I had that Jeopardy theme music to play. You ready? It's, it's the thief on the cross. Remember that story? When they crucified Jesus, he had a thief on either side of him, two criminals that were also being put to death. One of those criminals was mocking uh, Jesus and insulting him. But the other, in that moment, literally on his deathbed, if you will, he turned to Christ and he said, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And what did Jesus say? Do you remember what Jesus said to that thief on the cross? Did he say, man, I'm sorry, pal. You missed it. Like, you've never been baptized, so sorry, too late. Like, you can't get down off the cross and be baptized. You can't make it to heaven. No, what did Jesus say? He said, I tell you the truth today. You will be with me in paradise. Why? Because that man put his faith in Christ, albeit at the very last minute of his life. But he recognized the deity of Jesus and he trusted in him. And so baptism is not, it's possible to have a relationship with Jesus and not to be baptized and to, to have the gift of eternal life to be forgiven of your sin. And I'm telling you, when you run into someone who claims to be a Christian and tells you otherwise, that's a dangerous teaching. Because they're bringing a works-based salvation to the table and basically saying, oh yeah, sure, faith in Christ is important, but you also need to be baptized. And they'll take a few verses out of context to, to, to say that, but they ignore all these other scriptures like Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So baptism, yes, extremely important, but not nearly as important as coming to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Okay, well now let's talk about the weird part of baptism. It's weird for some. Depending on your church background and your upbringing in and around your church tradition, um, some people really struggle with this next question. Why do you do the whole immersion thing? Like, why do you lower people underwater? Why do you make it such a big deal that the whole church has to go to a lake where there's all this water and you actually hold someone underwater? Like, we don't hold it under that long, but you, know, you dunk them underwater. Why do you go to the effort of setting up a baptistry on your stage? It's not easy. It's, it's kind of a, a pain to get all that set up and fill it up and drain it. Why? I'm going to give you an answer. Uh, I'll go through these fairly quickly. First of all, because Jesus was baptized that way. If you read the gospel accounts, it, the context clues are there. It's talking about Jesus went down into the water. Jesus came up out of the water. Like, that's how Jesus was baptized, was by immersion. 
I can go beyond that and tell you this. Every baptism in the New Testament was by immersion. You say, how do you know that, Pastor John? Well, I'm number three, the word baptize in the Greek language, it's the word baptizo, which literally means to dip under or immerse. So anytime in the New Testament you see somebody getting baptized, guess what's happening? There's water that they're being lowered into and they're being brought up out of. As a matter of fact, so many of the, the founding fathers of our what we know today as kind of our mainline denominations, they're all on record agreeing with that. Like there's no debate from Bible scholars that New Testament baptism was by immersion. There's just no question about it. So where did this, this tradition come from where so many churches now don't do water baptism and instead it's you know just a little bit of a sprinkling of water or a pouring on of just a little bit of water? The truth is that tradition did not come into the church until hundreds of years after the, the death and, and ascension of Jesus Christ. And the church had hundreds of years of existence following the New Testament model until uh, the, essentially the Roman Catholic Church brought in this man-made tradition of sprinkling and pouring. And, and I, I'm saying it gently. I'm not trying to give a black eye to, to your church tradition where maybe you grew up being taught something different or being told something different. I'm just telling you, like, in the Bible, this is how they did baptisms. In the early church, it was by immersion. I'll give you another reason why we do it this way, and it's because it best symbolizes a burial and a resurrection. Read through the book of Acts, and, and where you see the early church, where people, like Acts chapter 8, here's a perfect example. If you want to jot down Acts chapter 8, the story of this Ethiopian eunuch, after he came to believe in Christ as his Savior, he says, look, here's plenty of water. What's keeping me from being baptized? So, Again, like, boom, here's water. Here's an opportunity to go down into the water, to then come up out of the water after I've been baptized. So, in simply put, the reason we do baptism by immersion is because that's how it's done in the Bible. It's very simple. So, I'll, I'll come to another question, but first I'll answer this one. So, who should be baptized? This will kind of set up the next question I want to talk about. Who should be baptized? I believe any person who has believed in Jesus Christ for the gift of eternal life, for the gift of salvation. It's called believer's baptism. So it doesn't matter if you're 44 years old or if you're 6 years old or if you're 17 years old. At whatever point you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, now you're ready to take that first step of discipleship, which is to get baptized. And to be obedient to Christ's command through the waters of, of baptism. So it begs the question that I have to talk about. And I'm going to say this as gently as I can. But that answers the question why the rescue church does not do infant baptism. And again, I, I want to be really gentle in how I say this. Because we can be brothers with, with others in the faith that, that believe in Christ for salvation. Uh, but maybe see this issue differently. And, and so I'm, I'm not trying to give a black eye or be mean about anything. But the reason, oh man, I can't tell you how many times over the years in ministry I've been asked the question, hey, will, will the rescue church baptize our brand new baby, our little four-week-old son or daughter? And the answer, very gently, very reverently and respectfully, the answer is no, we won't. Why? Because baptism is for believers. Again, I would just challenge you, read through the book of Acts and see how often you find this phrase that they believed and were baptized. The baptism always comes after the belief. 
And remember what we said earlier, uh, this, this thing about baptism doesn't save us, right? It's not about our salvation. And yet, the, here's where I really feel like the, the, the teaching of infant baptism is dangerous. And, and this is the part I'll say a little more firmly, is that if, if we believe wrongly, because it, it's not a biblical belief, if we believe that baptism is what gets us to heaven... The reason then that so often we have this pressure and our parents with good hearts and good intentions and the reason our grandparents say, man, get that baby baptized is because the thought is if something happens to this child, we want them to go to heaven. The problem is the Bible doesn't teach that that's how we get to heaven. We get to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ when we've come to realize that we are a sinner in need of a Savior and we respond to the invitation of Christ to accept him into our heart and our life and a three-week-old four-week-old little baby's not capable of making that decision and the danger then is when that little child starts to grow up and their fleshly little heart starts to do what our sinful little hearts are wired to do and that's rebel against God and all the authorities placed in his life and yet here's this child's parents and and, and church family all telling him or her, hey, you're on your way to heaven. You are right with God because somebody else made a decision for you to have you baptized. Do you see the danger in that? And what came into the church as a tradition given by men that, that missed the biblical model can actually be used by the enemy to mislead people and cause people to miss their need for a relationship with Christ because of a religious ritual, a ceremony that someone else made the decision for on their behalf. So I believe that baptism, according to God's word, is for believers. It's not for brand new babies. It's not for people who've not yet claimed to know Christ as their savior. And, and again, I would say this, even if I'm speaking to an adult that you're like, well, I don't believe in Jesus, but I'll do that baptism thing just to be sure. Like, no, you're getting it out of order. It starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and then we take that step into the waters of baptism. All right, here's, here's a question. When should I be baptized? When should we do this? Well, I believe the model in Scripture is just as soon as possible after you've accepted Christ as your Savior. I'll give you one example from Acts chapter 2. We see this phrase a lot in Acts. It says, those who believed were baptized when? That same day. Like they believed in Christ and they got baptized. Baptism, I've seen churches like make people go through a three-month class to get baptized. And again, I'm not trying to be mean about it. I just personally don't think that's the biblical model. It doesn't say that they had to sit through a church membership class to be baptized. It doesn't say that they had to sit through a, a, a big, long course. They believed in Christ. And then immediately they went and took that step where they declared for the world that they were a follower of Jesus Christ. So here's my challenge to you is this. If you have had that moment of salvation in your life where you've asked Christ for his forgiveness, but you've never taken that step of obedience in baptism, I would just challenge you as soon as you possibly can do it. For our South Dakota campuses, that opportunity is coming up in two weeks. Make it a priority to be there and say, I'm doing this, man. I'm going to obey Christ and get baptized. All right, here's this last question I want to answer. I'm going to make you write a few things down because I just want to label some of the roadblocks. What are some of the things that keep people from being baptized? Because over the years, I've seen people get excited about Jesus, but then they come to this very early step of followership or discipleship, and they go, 
I don't know that I want to do this. Why? Okay, I'm going to give you four reasons. Number one, you can write this down if you want. And I'm saying this gently. It's because sometimes people don't get baptized because they're uninformed or ignorant. And, and I'm not saying that in a name-calling way. I mean it in its literal sense. Some people believed in Jesus, but because of whatever church tradition they were a part of, or maybe they weren't that connected to a church. So I, I've seen examples of, like people came to know Christ at a Bible camp or a youth camp as a child, but then they weren't surrounded by healthy biblical teaching and discipleship. So nobody ever really told them, hey, baptism's the next step, and you ought to do it sooner than later. So that's one reason I've seen people uh, not get baptized. And, and I guess I would just say to anyone in the sound of my voice this morning, that excuse no longer applies to you, right? You're no longer uninformed. You're no longer ignorant of what the Bible has to say. And, and by the way, let me just slow down and back up a second. If, if what I said a few minutes ago about, you know, why we don't baptize babies or why baptism is important and the meaning, if any of that's like kind of rocking your world right now and you're going, I was told something totally different growing up, my challenge to you would be this. I've told so many people this over the years. Let's just sit down with the Bible and put aside church tradition and what grandma told you or, and all of that. Let's just take the word of God and let's see what the Bible says. Let's just read through it. Bring your questions to Scripture and let God's Word answer those questions for you. Okay? So you, you don't have to be uninformed about the subject of baptism. It's a very clear teaching in Scripture, and it's a very simple, simple yet powerful teaching about what baptism is. Here's another one, if you want to write this down. Another roadblock that I've seen really stand in people's way. I'll label it with three words. Fear, embarrassment, and pride. I'm going to call out all of those. And, and I would just say, like, these are natural human thoughts, human feelings, human emotions. But, but I've heard people say things like this, like, man, I don't, I don't want to be the center of attention. Like, there's that fear, right? It's a natural human fear. I don't want to be center stage and have everybody looking at me. So that fear keeps them from obeying Christ. Or the embarrassment, like, I don't, I would die if somebody saw my hair all wet and my makeup running on my face. Like, I would be so embarrassed. I, one time I had somebody tell me, like, his real concern was like, John, I'm afraid I'm going to cry. Like, it, it means something to me. I'm afraid I'm going to break down and get emotional. And, and I was like, man, that's okay. A lot of people cry at baptisms. I get choked up every time I see it because it's such a powerful celebration of a new life in Christ. It's okay if you shed a tear. Like, this is a celebration, and it's okay if you have a natural human response. You don't need to be embarrassed about that. But maybe, maybe there's some kind of fear or embarrassment or pride. Can I just challenge you with this? Do this. Just acknowledge the, the natural human emotion that it is. Call it what it is but then push through it. And my challenge to you would be this, to think about, in your mind, get a mental picture of the Lord Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, naked, bloodied, beaten beyond recognition of a man, impaled to a cross, gasping for his final breaths because of your sin and because of my sin. And think about what Jesus Christ endured and now tell him why you're too afraid or embarrassed or prideful to walk down into that water and be lowered under the water and brought back up in obedience to Jesus. 
See, I, 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 I don't want to dismiss your fear or your feelings of embarrassment. Those are natural. They naturally stand in people's way. But I also want to challenge you firmly. Push through that. Don't let that stop you. By the way, I, I use two analogies or, or metaphors about baptism. Here, here's one I love to use uh, with baptism, if I can get my ring off. I often say that baptism is to the Christian life what a wedding ring is to a, a marriage. Okay, I just took my wedding ring off my finger. Am I no longer married? Does my wedding ring make me married? We all know the answer to that, right? Absolutely not. What is the wedding ring? The wedding ring is just an external symbolic reminder to, to me and to everyone else that in my heart I have entered into a holy covenant of marriage with Jessica Sanders to be faithful to her for the rest of my life till death do we part. And that's really like what baptism is to the Christian life. It's an external symbol to the whole world of an internal covenant that I have entered into with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's the one the ladies like. I'll use one the guys like, all right? I'll use another metaphor, and it's this. It's, it's that of a uniform. Before, when I've taught on this, I've brought out my old high school football jersey that I'm still proud to have and, and to wear. Like, when they gave me that uniform, I wasn't embarrassed to put that thing on, man. I would wear that thing anywhere. I was proud to represent my team. I was proud to wear the uniform. And, and baptism is kind of like that. It is like a uniform for the Christian faith. It's basically saying, I'm one of those Christ followers. And I'm putting on the uniform and I'm not embarrassed. Here's a scripture I want to share with you. Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33. Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. I want to challenge you, Christ follower. I get it. Fear, embarrassment, pride, those are natural tendencies that rise up from within. But listen to me. If you can't even obey Christ in taking this first simple step, you're going to struggle to follow Christ with harder, bigger steps in your Christian walk. This ties in well with what we preached last week when we talked about dare to live differently. Christ is calling us out of the world. We belong to him now. And so please acknowledge the natural human emotion that's there, but then push through it. Because imagine trying to explain to Jesus why you couldn't obey him because of your fear or embarrassment or pride. I would challenge you, take that step. Let me label a third reason that sometimes people are hesitant to get baptized. I've experienced this many times as I've led this church over the last 14 years. Are you ready? Write it down. It's family. Believe it or not, it's grandma. It's mom and dad and the fear of facing family. There's family pressure. Well, where does that family pressure usually come from? It usually comes from someone that's coming out of a different religious background that had a teaching that did not exactly align with God's word on the matter of baptism. And so there's this fear. I've literally had grown adults sit in my office and tell me, I recognize baptism is a priority. I know Christ commands it. I know uh, that he modeled it and, and, and set that example, but I'm afraid of what my grandma's going to say. She's going to be like, what kind of cult have you gotten yourself into? What is this church you're going to that wants to take you to a lake? and put? We already did that for you. We already made that decision. How do you handle that? Well, let me tell you what God's word says, and then I'll just give you a practical suggestion. All right, Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 
Jesus said, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Probably not out of line. We could cross out father or mother and we could put whoever loves his nana and bampa more than me is not worthy of me. That's, that's slang for grandpa and grandma. Like, I don't know what you call your grandma, right? God love her. Her heart, her intentions are good for you. She loves you. Her heart's in the right place. We'll give her the benefit of the doubt. We'll respect her and honor her. But Jesus said, if you put her wishes above being obedient to me, you're not worthy of me. Peter said in Acts 5.29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than grandma. Actually, they said we must obey God rather than men. But you understand what they're saying. If there's any kids listening to this, this is not God's word telling you you, you can disobey your parents anytime you want. This is God's word saying that when human authority is out of line and out of step with God's authority, you are no longer under the command to submit to that authority. Now you obey the higher authority, which is God. And so when you've got a family member, whether it's for wrong reasons or whether it's for just the fact that they are simply misinformed and passionate about how misinformed they are and they feel like you're making this huge mistake, here's the practical suggestion. You don't have to get into a big yelling match with grandma. You don't have to ruin Thanksgiving dinner. You can just reverently, respectfully, lovingly say, Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, listen, I, I, I know you care about me. I'm grateful for, for the tradition in which you raised me. But as I have grown in my relationship with God, and as I've begun to read the Bible for myself, what I've come to understand is the Bible's very clear on the subject of baptism. And it stands a little differently than the tradition of our church growing up. And so I'm going to choose to be obedient to God. And you're welcome to come. I would love to have you there. I understand if you don't want to be there, like that's okay. But, but I need to do this because Christ modeled it for me and he commanded it for my life. And I'm going to follow him. And then just let the chips fall where they may. I will tell you, I've had more than one experience over the years where I've gotten, you know, daggers from grandmas glaring at me when we're baptizing their son, daughter, uh, you know, grandson, granddaughter, whatever. But... Family is, is an interesting obstacle that will stand in the way. God bless your grandma, love her, respect her, honor her, but obey God over grandma when it comes to this matter of being baptized according to the New Testament model. And then finally, number four, I guess the last thing I would label why people don't get baptized is just flat out plain old disobedience. And that's, that's the person that says, I believe in Jesus. I, I believe I understand what the Bible says. I'm just not going to do it. And again, my challenge to you would be, if that's where you're at, I would really come back to asking, what is your relationship with Jesus really like? Like, how well is your, your heart toward the Lord? When you understand his commands for your life, and yet you make a willful decision not to do something he's clearly told you to do. And, and it gets back to this idea that if you're not willing to follow Christ in the most basic, simple steps... Um, you're going to struggle to follow Christ as it gets harder and as the, the, the stakes get higher. It's a simple, the teaching on baptism is such a simple teaching and it is a powerful picture. When the church of Jesus gathers together around a body of water, whether it's at a lake, a river, an ocean, or a little baptistry on our stage, when the body of Christ gathers around a little, a little bit of water and we celebrate new life in Christ as we... Bury people under the water, not for very long, and bring them right back up, and the crowd cheers and celebrates. There is a powerful thing happening in that moment. I don't even pretend to fully understand 
why Jesus gave it to us. I just know that he did, and I know it's powerful. I believe it's powerful both symbolically and I believe it's powerful spiritually as well. I think some things break loose in the spiritual realm when we take that step. So here's my challenge, and then we're going to pray. My challenge is this. For those of you in our South Dakota campuses, two weeks, we're having B3. And if you've never taken this step of baptism like this, I want to challenge you. Get signed up to do it. There's connection cards in our campuses. Just fill them out saying, hey, I want to be baptized. Uh, please sign me up. And we'll put you on the list of people getting baptized on July 15th. Listen, if you are not a part of our South Dakota campuses, if you're in Deeside or Jamaica and you need to be baptized, let your campus pastor know, I need to do what Pastor John was talking about. I need to do it as soon as possible and we'll make it happen. We will celebrate with you as well. Okay, now, before I pray, I got one more group I want to talk to. And that's the group of mature Christians that might be here today that are saying, Oh, this was kind of a boring message, John. I already know Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I already know all this about baptism. You didn't tell me anything new. All right, big shots. Let me just share a challenge for you. Let's take it up to the meat and potatoes level. You ready? Okay, Here, here's a vision I want to cast for July 15th. What would it look like if in two Sundays you had the opportunity to bring one of your friends, family members, neighbors that you have been sharing Christ with? What if they received Jesus as their Lord and Savior between now and then because of how God used your ministry in their life? And what if you had the opportunity to baptize them on July 15th at our B3 party? How cool would that be? Now that's some serious meat and potatoes level Christianity. That's where you've moved beyond the basic teachings of the faith and you're, you're in the big leagues. So I want to challenge those of you that are a part of our church that go, I already knew all this, I get all this, that's fine. This might be basic to some of us who've been following Jesus for a long time, and it's been decades since we took this step of baptism. My question is, who are you bringing with you to the party? Who are you going to have the opportunity to stand next to and be a part of their baptism? How awesome would that be? All right, let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer and believe him for awesome things to come in the weeks ahead in the life of our church. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that you've given to us. Thank you for our church family. And Jesus, thank you for your very clear teaching on this subject of baptism. It's simple, it's powerful, and I believe the enemy has done a really good job of muddying the waters, using religion to do it, and bringing a lot of confusion and murkiness to this subject when really your word is very clear. It's so simple. After we've come to trust you as our Lord and Savior, we gather with our church family and we find a small body of water and we go into the waters of baptism to identify with you and to symbolically declare to the rest of the world that we are part of your family. We're in a covenant relationship with you and we have your uniform and we're proud to wear it. God, I pray that there would be men and women and teenagers and boys and girls in the Rescue Church that in the weeks to come, whether it's at our B3 party or in the days ahead in our D-side and, and uh, Peoria campus, that they would make this decision to follow in the waters of baptism. Lord, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice this morning who's never trusted you as their Savior, I pray that today would be their day, that they put their faith and trust in you. And we're just believing you for great things in the days ahead in the life of our church, Lord Jesus. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.